1: When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com.
3: You're listening to The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. Every goal,
4: every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times. Now with Goals.
5: Thank you for downloading and choosing to spend the next 35 minutes or so with us. I'm Gabriel Marcotti and in the studio this week, we're joined by Alison Rod and making his first appearance of the season, Matt Hughes. Plus, down the line from an undisclosed location in West London, it's Matt Dickinson.
4: Leighton Baines, here's Besic who's just come on as a sub. Goodness me, what was he doing? John Obi Mikel, Costa, who scored in the first minute, scores in the 90th. Three-goal-winning margin for Chelsea. What a day they've had on Merseyside. All right,
5: let's get started, and let's get started at Goodison Park. Everton, three, Chelsea, six, nine goals in a game. Uh, Dicko, as purists and and, and snobs, inevitably, I have to ask the question, when two teams concede nine goals, and two teams that are generally relatively well-organised defensively, I have to ask, is this a good game, or is this a game... Worse, a lot of screw-ups.
4: Well, it's a game with a lot of screw-ups, but that that's made it a great game, hasn't it? I mean, Chelsea, Chelsea will not concede um, three to many teams, but let's let's revel in the fact that on one afternoon they did. They they made some a few individual mistakes um, that yeah, Mourinho, as we know, will take them back to the. Training ground and drill them and drill them and, and drill them again. But no, let's 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 glory in this one. Not uh, not get too sniffy.
5: Okay, Aston uh, Dico can glory because he's uh, he's not an Everton fan and he's not a Chelsea fan. But do you think Roberto Martinez and Mourinho are glorying in in, in this right now?
2: Well, Martinez Martin definitely isn't, is he? I mean, from Everton's point of view, he Martinez wants an attacking team, and they're at home, and they go. Two goals behind. What do you think is going to happen? There's going to be holes left in their defence. I, I kind of don't see how that could have turned out any other way, given that Chelsea are top notch at the moment of putting away chances. So, but he, Martin is his upbeat guy. I think he will know that's exactly what happened. Um, it sort of they sort of ran away with themselves a bit. Also, he, for some reason, he doesn't seem to think that there's anything wrong with his defence because his defence was really good last season. But it's looking there was there were three men creaking at the back for them, and, and maybe that will never happen again. Maybe it was just a, you know a, the stars aligned that way. But you know uh, in in goal, Howard didn't didn't look like the play. he was even at the World Cup. And uh, Jagielka and Distan, who are two of the most historically composed and elegant defenders in the league, looked looked a bit old.
3: Well, they are a bit old, and that's what we found out. What we found out so far this season, Everton seemed to have a problem with their centre backs, Jagielka. <laughs> As much as he is a very admirable professional and a top bloke, he's not he's, he's not. he's not. A, he's not a sort of Champions League international quality centre back, um, in, in my view. And that's what was exposed on on, on Saturday. Chelsea, Mourinho, are we delighted with the speed of which Costa's settled in and made such a huge impact? Also, Fabregas, um, he can pick holes, and I'm sure he won't be happy with elements of their defending. But on balance, they've won every game, scored what a goal so he's going to be delighted
4: I mean, Jackie Elka, I mean at least Everton have got somewhere to look I mean I think um, Stones he, well Stones has obviously got you know still still raw but got undoubtedly got potential and Alcaraz to be honest I and mean, I think he you can see that you know Jagielka is a, a sort of a leader of that squad and he's been he's been picked partly because for for captaincy and for you know for for, for the solidity that he brings as, as a personality but maybe it's time to um, take a big decision and um uh, and and worry and wonder whether that that's enough. Um, if he's not playing well enough, and I mean I've I've always actually liked Alcaraz, so I, I I think at least when he looks to the bench, Martinez does have options.
5: Well, it's it's funny because you just just looking at the other defense, Chelsea's defense. Usually, when when we talk about options in central defense, it just occurred to me. Obviously, Ivanovic is playing right back right now. Um, the guy can presumably almost play just about anywhere, and and has played almost anywhere. When Felipe Luis is fit, you presume Felipe Luis goes to left back, at to right back, and then Brano can be your your third center half. But is there concern that sort of one player beyond that, maybe things could get a little tricky? Well,
3: since David Luiz was left and not replaced, they are a little bit short, I suppose, and they, they need John Terry to stay fit. If John Terry has one of his sort of injury plagued seasons, they they could have problems. But I, I think you could you could play. Matic in there, he's, he's physically imposing. Mikel in an emergency can play centre back. So I mean, I, I mean, I
5: mean, I mean, this is kind of scraping the bottom. I mean, Didier Drogba could play there too. He's physically imposing as well, but uh, it, there's a difference sure, in, in quickness and in, in approach. no to
3: I guess, but I Munoz mean, looked at it and Terry and Cahill played 50 games each last year. He's assuming they can do so again. and If they, if they do, then he hasn't got a problem.
2: Yeah, but I, I agree with you, Gab. I think it is a problem because I don't. I think Ivanovic isn't. I love Ivanovic, but. Not he, as much as I do. He's his best position is right back, and he's not that brilliant to defend. That he doesn't want to play centre back. So if you push him, if you push him there because one of Terry or Cahill get injured, you are immediately you're losing what he does as a full back, which is you know he's he's scoring or making goals every game at the moment. He's phenomenal going forward. Slightly iffy at Goodison defensively. You don't, I don't think, just thinking oh, automatically, well we've got an automatic chap to slot into the back is is. That's not great news for Chelsea. He's not. He's not as effective as a centre back.
5: Well, uh, Dickel, what's your take on this? Because I mean, this Chelsea team is built to win the Premier League and the Champions League. They spend a lot of money. They look like a complete side. Is that a potential concern?
4: A small one, but I think you know, like you said, well, you said they're built to win the Premier League and the Champions League. I think just Mourinho's his focus will be on reclaiming. Domestic prize first, I mean, I think the champion, as he always describes, you know understand that the champions League brings a degree of lottery as a as a cup competition. you know the, the margins are so fine in the knockout stages, and I just think he 's absolutely intent on um, on winning uh, winning the Premier League this season. I think he, he thinks that he 's got the pieces he needs for that, and looking at them the way they 've started, obviously the way that costa um, has um, immediately um made an impact um, in this league, then I think he's got every reason to be hopeful, confident of that. No one is better at setting up a stable team structure than Mourinho, we know that. He's got options, attacking options as well, um, with Remy coming in. Um, So, uh, you know, you go through all the boxes that he wants to tick, and he's he's got them all and as you say, maybe if there's one area where they are slightly vulnerable, it's defensive cover if they lost someone like Terry for, for, for a Sustained period, but you know that's a if that he'll have to deal with if it comes about.
3: And the thing with Mourinho, sorry to interrupt, is that while he will make changes and rotate, his back four is is pretty much his back four. He likes he likes that continuity. We saw last season; Nashiko was dropped, didn't get back. I suppose he could have played well. So if people are fit, he won't have you won't have a problem.
5: A bit of a philosophical thing. I mean, you guys, I saw the incident. with Seamus Coleman and, and Diego Costa. They were get, they were getting into it. Um, Diego Costa got got booked at one point. I think It was something after after the goal. I think it was after Eden Hazard's goal, if memory uh, serves. Diego Costa went and said something to to Coleman, and Tim Howard, who is one of my favorite players and one of my favorite people in the Premier League. Uh, you know, he runs out, he gets into his face, then he goes to collect the ball, then he runs out again after the referee. You know, runs right past the referee. I, I was wondering there, who's rattling who, because Howard's a veteran here, and, and what I saw, and, and I was watching Match of the Day 2 last night, and they're like, oh, but I love the aggression from, from, from Costa there, just knows when to stop, well, the dude did get bulked which means at some point he'll get suspended if he keeps getting bookings, and with, with Tim Howard as well, like, oh, you know, but he's, he's, he's sticking up for his mm-hmm. teammates, like, do you want your goalkeeper to be doing that?
2: But Howard's like that, isn't it? If you're if you're in love with Howard, you know that's his. He he loses it sometimes emotionally on the pitch.
4: Bye. And what you do know is that Mourinho. If Costa's winding other people up, Mourinho will be will be loving it. Is the fact that he's showing, you know, he wants one of the reasons why I signed him. I mean, partly because he can play a lone striker in that system, but because he's pugnacious, he 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 rattles other teams' defenses, doesn't he? He gets about them, and that's. You know, that's, that's the Mourinho template. Um, right. Yeah, so it's, you know, per, per, you can see why. I, I wasn't actually 100% convinced by Costa, not as a you know, top of the A list um, league, but you could certainly see why he was Mourinho's type of signing for, you know, not just for the way he sort of plays technically, but for his
5: personality too. He's you're 3 1 up away from home. Do you need your star striker to get booked for getting into somebody's face?
3: No, you don't, um, exactly. which is why Mourinho blamed Coleman.
5: <laughs> True that. Um, one of the things, uh, well, actually, on the strikers, obviously, there's, there's a new striker uh, coming in, and Fernando Torres finally leaving. I, I guess we won't have to ever talk about what's wrong with Torres unless he, unless he comes back, because it is it is a two-year loan, bizarrely, my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Husey, uh, is that it wasn't a permanent deal, because Milan weren't going to pay him what um, Chelsea were paying him, and... Chelsea couldn't agree on a price to give, or, or Torres wouldn't agree, f- to Chelsea's offer of to, to money for him to just go away.
3: I think it was also an, envelop- an element of Chelsea wanting him to remain on their books for FFP purposes, instead of being seen to write off an
5: asset. Oh, in terms of uh, amortisation and all that good stuff. Is is that that what they say? Yeah, apparently. Wow. Everybody's sort of depicting this as some kind of tremendous steal because obviously, like, Remy had a release clause and he was linked to Liverpool. There's the mystery of the... Supposedly he failed the medical. Now everything's fine. Um, Arsenal didn't sign him, who might have been able to use him. Do we have any explanation for this? Well, the um, only
3: explanation I've
5: heard, I'm not 100% sure about it, but... Because people in football lie to us all the time.
3: Incredibly, deep, but there's a suggestion that that medical, well, it did take place in the States on Liverpool's preseason tour, and the suggestion was that in America, for some reason, the medicals
5: are more sophisticated and stringent than would be the case over here. Well, I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry, I'm know, sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. Are, you, are you are you suggesting to me that instead of having their own people look at them, they, they they found some doctor in the Yellow Pages in the U.S. and said, "Hey, you conduct the medical."
3: Well, I'm sure they didn't look in the Yellow Pages.
5: No, well, Okay, fine, but wouldn't you, if you're going to buy a nine million pound asset and give them a multi-year contract, what, you, you can't afford a couple thousand pounds to fly your, your own medical uh, doctor over, your own club doctor? You're, you're going to go and do to, to some other Burke who you don't know?
3: Well, they have, they have doctors all
5: over the place, don't they? I realize that, but not all doctors <laughs> are created equal, right?
4: No, I mean, the clubs have their own doctors. A QPR, a QPR they, they, they think they were maybe looking for an excuse to get out you know that they're okay maybe something came up but it wasn't a deal breaker that actually whether they got the wind of the, the balotelli possibilities at about the same time but that you know it was yeah they were interested in remy but um you know not so interested that they were going to do the deal come what may and then yeah this this threw up a snag and it was um they uh they bailed out then but they bailed out knowing that another option was um about about
2: to appear well, QPR got lucky in a way because uh, Redknapp, uh, I was at QPR on Saturday and Redknapp was a bit cross about the whole leaked medical report and he says there should be rules that you, if a player goes for a medical, what happens should be kept private. And it is a bit off to announce or to let it be known that you, the deal's fallen through for medical reasons because then your asset could potentially become untransferable or the value dip and there's a question mark over... The play it but he's lucky that you know Harry Redknapp and the club are lucky that two clubs still decided to go with him but you, it is an issue how much should be allowed to be known about a medical I think
5: One final final thing on this I, I was curious to see when Chelsea went and played especially away from home against a, a team that, that kept the ball more whether he would keep Fabregas in the position that he played for the first two games and he obviously tweaked it by putting Ramirez in there as well a little more defensive oomph this is going to be par for the course going forward, isn't it? Usually,
3: I'd have thought so. But the good thing is he has got so many options in he that mid- midfield. I mean, the, even the front three—William Hazard, Oscar—they can all play anywhere. Really, Ramirez can play in there. Fabregas can play in four positions. So going forward, they look pretty formidable. I'm not sure Luke Rummy going to get many games.
5: I'd say that said, though, the most handsome player at Chelsea is now gone. N- Who's-
3: Nando, you're funny.
5: No, crikey, no, no. Come on, who's the Justin Bieber of Chelsea? Am I the only person in the world who remembers Marco van Ginkel? He's,
4: he's, he's, not, he's not a poster boy for me, put it that way. <laughs> I've never fancied him.
2: Townsend, involved in the thick of the action straight away.
4: And he's lost the ball. Moreno doing a really good job. And striding forward with real intent, Alberto Moreno. Oh, what a finish! It's a quite brilliant goal from Alberto Moreno. He's first for Liverpool. It's
5: 3-0. Moving on to uh, North London and White Hart Lane, where Liverpool roll to a 3-0 win over Spurs in Mario Balotelli's debut. Before we get to Liverpool, because we're often accused of being a little bit too Liverpool-heavy, I want to chuck this to you, Dicko. Is this Tottenham kind of crashing back to earth after the muted excitement? Is this their dimension?
4: Well, I think they... (laughs) They can be better than this, clearly. And to be honest, I say I, I've, I, mean, I was arguing last season that um, for all the the, the sort of um, wailing about the the quality of the the transfers that the nine players whatever they brought in to replace one Gareth Bale, that there was there was a lot more in their squad than was being seen on the pitch. Simple as that. And that you know it, all it took was some good management, some good coaching, and that. Um, it wasn't going to be easy to get back in the top 4 that's for sure because i think the quality around them's uh, yeah improved but they they were they were under colossally underperforming um we saw in one afternoon a colossal underperformance yesterday but i think you know spurs are better than this and i think um know yeah, let's let's at least give Pochettino a bit of time i mean it's you know he's he's not been there very long and i'm not going to judge him on one shockingly bad afternoon but um um you know i think in Kabul and Vertonghen. You should have certainly better defenders than we saw, we saw yesterday. Uh, I think they've actually got, well, go through the squad and I think they've, I think they've got decent options in, in most places. I, I would like to see another um, top-class striker personally, but I think we should see people like Lamella come through stronger this season. Uh, he's making a couple of bold decisions. Townsend, I think, is going to be on his way uh, so there's still a bit of tweaking to be done But I think you know Spurs, a well-run, well-managed Spurs side Should should be a comfortable fifth and sixth and, and pushing for fourth
5: Were Spurs that bad or were actually Liverpool that good? Because going forward, Gizzy, they, they looked really, really impressive to me Especially in the first half
3: They did look very good, I thought Sterling was outstanding And my main thought watching it was that Roy Hodgson has got to find a way to play him in the middle of the pitch. If he can play it like that for Liverpool and, and dominate against a good team, then surely that's where he should be playing for England, which obviously has, would have implications for the new captain. A diamond for <laughs> England. Because that's where he wants to play. But, I mean, look, L- Rodgers, great credit to him. He goes to White Hart Lane, Tottenham have won the first two games. They're an air of positivity about the place. He plays two strikers and Sterling behind. Very, very bold attacking form- formation and it, and it worked so as average as Tottenham were Liverpool's pace and penetration was, was fantastic so they deserve huge credit really
4: You can see I mean on, just on that there is an England formation that can work from that isn't it because the fact is that you can play um, you can play Rooney, Rooney and Sturridge higher up and Sterling behind him and then three across I mean that's, that's, that was the big debate that came out of the World Cup wasn't it should we have played three actually at the base of midfield
3: yesterday. Balotelli didn't have the greatest game, but it's rare these days to see genuinely two strikers playing up front in the Premier League, and it caused huge, huge problems for Tottenham. Balotelli missed chances, but he was there and he was a handful. Uh, it shows that like, playing playing two strikers can um, pay off. And
4: Henson had a good game as well. So you got you got your first of those three. For
5: okay, now, now this is too much England talk here. Okay, that's enough.
4: But um, I'm trying, it's, a, it's a massive week for England. England it's not. Always. Nobody cares. Um, <laughs> huge. England well, we're
5: going to have to talk about England next week yep, and, yep, and yep, the so ten, 10 people. Buy c-
4: some tickets. Take your yeah, exactly. family gab. <laughs> Everyone should be there. There's about 50,000 still going if you
5: want them, folks. Queue up. Alison, I usually didn't seem to be too impressed with Balotelli. Now, I was watching on television, and I was watching on Sky, actually, and I heard both Niall Quinn and, uh, and Paul Scholes Rave about him, and I want to know because is the glass half full or, f- or half empty? Because he should have had a hat trick. He could have had a hat trick with the the the, the header he missed, the header he he hit at the goalkeeper, and um and that weirdo shot that you know the to finish. the finish exactly yeah. <laughs> uh, from about fifty yards out. But still, but then he did a lot of he worked he worked hard. He held the ball up. He nearly got decapitated by Eric Dyer and didn't go and lose his rag. You're a Liverpool fan. I think we can out you. <laughs> were you impressed
2: with Balotelli? Yeah, no. I mean, is, you, is it half full or half empty? It's. I I, su- I, I suspect it's going to shift through the season, but uh, no, no, this on performance that, on that evidence, it was half full. I like players who work hard. He didn't swan in with a ooh, look at my reputation spl- emblazoned on the back of his shirt. He he grafted a bit, and things didn't go for him. And it you know the, the misses were slightly embarrassing, but he didn't. Out or strut or I mean, do the things that people think Palatelli going to do. So I think as a debut for a, a new club, go. It was it was more than acceptable.
5: Tico, I'm I'm slightly concerned. While we all have a lot of faith in, in Brendan Rogers and everybody's written about the reclamation projects with with uh, Sturridge and Suarez, it seems that like every time. He, he talks about him now. He always goes back to the same theme about how, you know, this is a team and Mario has to adapt and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if it's because y'all in the media keep asking him the same questions over and over again, but even coming out when uh, he, he talked after the game about um, marking on set pieces and, yep. uh, and Mario's like, and he's like, oh, Mario told me like, uh, I don't mark on set pieces. And, and so I said, no, no, you do now. And he did. And it was great. And, apart from the fact that he has marked on set pieces before i know this for a fact but is it really wise to keep going back to this or should he just kind of just talk about the player for now on rather you know until he does something silly
4: well it's it's the, it's the rogers way isn't it i mean we were all at that speech weren't we on uh, in may when suarez won the football of the year award and, and <laughs> rogers made this uh, incredibly heartfelt and i don't doubt since his speech at the time about you know suarez not just the footballer but the man and how Working, working—I think the phrase was something like working with Suarez every day had made Rogers a better person, and, and you know it was—it was, it was in, it sort of felt incredibly, um, uh, well, a bit over the top, I guess. But you know, he's talking about Balotelli the, way, the same way, and I, I, you know, I think that's that's how Rogers sees his job. Um, some people may chuckle and scoff and, and say, "Yeah," well, and Suarez went out and bit someone three weeks later. But um, I think he. Might sound a bit highfalutin, but he thinks that his job is about you know educating people as well as educating footballers, and he f- he thinks that uh, part of his his gift as a coach is improving people that way. And he he fl- thinks maybe flatters himself, as we'll find out, that he can do that, that for Mario Balotelli, and that's obviously part of the fascination. It's not that just that he thinks that he can get Mario Balotelli playing decent football? He thinks he can make Mario Balotelli you know, a better human being, and that's say, we may we may have a chuckle about that a couple of uh, months down the line, but, um, yeah, that's the way Rogers sees the world.
2: Matt, thanks for raising that, because uh, time stood still for me when Rogers was interviewed, when the transfer of Balotelli had been confirmed, and he said, on air, into camera, I looked into Balotelli's eyes, and I, Brendan Rodgers, know I can make him a better human being, uh, I'm kind of gobsmacked that he's got away with that. I don't
1: see that as the role of a manager. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Jubiderm lip fillers. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
0: Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together.
2: Players as players and part of your team. If the BBC wanted to poach me and then I overheard the head of the BBC saying to someone, I think I can make Alison but a better human being, I wouldn't go. I, that is not the role of my employer at all. And it also implies that he's I think judging it's you, deeply, you, right? deeply patronising. It, yet, yet it comes yeah. with lots of suppositions that this is a player who is, is, is somehow not a rounded human being. I mean, he's a grown man with, with, with an interesting backstory. You do not write him off as an as a personality by saying you yeah. can improve him. I, I, I actually found it quite offensive.
4: Well, I, think, I mean, I was saying that's why, I mean, I raised that you mentioned the Suarez sort of speech and how that term turned, it blew up, shall we say. And you know, I think a few of us sort of um, looked back on that speech, you know, as I say, it fell over the top at the time and, and sort of sniggered a little bit at how it had turned out so, you know, so soon that um, Suarez had, um, gone back to binding people at the same, I slightly disagree with the fact is that if you the best leaders I've worked for do inspire you as people you know they don't just make you know make me hopefully a better journalist but they you know they inspire they inspire you so I'm not saying that Balotelli's going to have his personality transform but certainly the best leaders um, I, I Alex, yep. it's not just Rogers Alex Ferguson would say the same he wants he, work, he you know. He he wants to work with good people, and then he wants to shape good people. You know, Alex Ferguson's you know, autobiography is full of talk about how, you know, he takes young men, and that's that's you know the, the, why he, he was so intent on bringing youth through. He wants to shape young men, and I you know I, I, I take your point, Alison. It's not about transforming personalities, and least of all as sort of what should be grown men. But I think that's part of management and part of leadership across not just in football.
5: Husey, I'm going to give you the final word on this one because you know we we all have stereotypes and images and, and, and my stereotype of the part of the world that you come from is the coldest, most unemotional, most no-nonsense part of, of the uh, whole
3: world. That's <laughs> <Well, laughs> quite, cert- quite a claim. We'll take it. Certainly yeah.
5: of a generally cold, sterile, and unemotional country like England. You guys are, are sort of the epitome of it. What's your take on this? Because I didn't see your actually your eyes roll when I said that, but I could imagine them you know, rolling metaphorically inside your head. I, we were talking to our boss earlier before coming in, sucking up as, 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 as a good employee does. I mean, you saw Allison's response. If he said, when you, came on, when, you came, when you joined this institution, did he talk about what you're like as a person and how he's going to improve you as a person, or did he just talk about what you can bring and what, they can, what the paper can give you and so on? I mean, um, did, would, would that have upset you if he said, like, mm, you know, I, I can make you a better person than you are?
3: I think I may have found it slightly patronising, but I I probably lean towards Matt's interpretation that it's part of his job. The thing with Rodgers is, he probably advertises it and promotes his own healing powers rather too much. I think he right he's right to be taking a, a holistic view of of his players, to borrow a word from Manchester City. But he doesn't need to go on TV and say he's going to mm. transform them as individuals. And Rodgers, he's, he's a great storyteller, a great raconteur, a great. So promoter. Sometimes he goes a bit too far.
5: All right, uh, let's talk now. Third party ownership. It's our debate this week. For those who don't know the concept, here's a brief uh, capsule. Um, third party ownership is when a an entity, usually a, a fund uh, from outside football, finances the acquisition of a player. So, in other words, uh, uh, Allison wants to buy Matt. So, Dicko. Lends Allison ten million pounds to purchase Matt Hughes, and then uh, when uh, when he sold, the proceeds from the sale as well as the original capital goes to goes to Deco. But very broadly speaking, that's how it works. And obviously, if you finance half the deal, then you get half player, and so on. Now, it's not illegal by FIFA standards. What is illegal is third party influence, which means that if you finance a deal, you can't also go and determine where a player goes. In some European countries, such as um, this one, England, it, it is entirely legal. There, there is no third-party ownership for players that are actually in the Premier League. There's nothing stopping you from going and buying somebody who's third-party owned, as um, well, it's happened this summer with the likes of Marcus Rojo and Eliakim uh, Mangala and others. Dick, I want to start with you because um, one of the biggest uh, funds engaging in third-party ownership is based right here in London. It's called uh, Doyen and um you spent some time with them and uh and, and their uh, i guess he's their chief executive Nelio Lucas uh can you tell us a little bit about that
4: yeah i mean uh, with dien it's, it's interesting because even though they're doing something as you say that's totally uh, legal under fifa rules and stuff they're still incredibly twitchy about uh, how they're seen they they are Diane were um desperate not to be seen uh, like a lot of other third party funds where there are um you know potential conflicts of interest where you have shall we say an agent who owns um who is part of a company that owns a stake in a player and represents that player now if anyone can't see the potential conflict of interest there where you know it's clearly in in the agent's um interest uh, at certain times to move on the player then you know they need their eyes their eyes checking and Doyen were very keen to be seen to be running a slightly different model now that's a model that is been drawn into controversy on the Rojo deal to Manchester United because they are being, Doyen are being accused of exactly what they say they don't do which is as you said third party influence and that will be decided as it seems by um, well potentially through the courts um, in Portugal so we'll see how that one transpires but I mean just to simplify it my, my view and I'm very glad is that the Premier League don't allow it, is because I think there is always the possibility of 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 undue influence. Um, the model is in, in, you know, brings brings that possibility. Uh, however, you sort of cleanly, you try and keep it, however sort of hands off the investors claim to be. I, I, I would prefer that it doesn't exist. And I'm glad that the Premier League don't allow it. And I don't think, in a, certainly in a league like England, where there's the broadcasting that we have, there is, there is no need for it here. And I think the Premier League sort of introduced that rule slightly out of embarrassment because of what had happened with the Tevez deal. It was it was brought about by that that screw up. But the fact is that you know, I'm glad that rule exists here now. Equally, I can see why it thrives in countries like Brazil and Portugal, um, where there is um, shall we say clubs being more hand to mouth. I'm told that I was over when we were over in Brazil at the World Cup, I was talking to the head of youth at uh, Fluminense, and he said it's basically if you get a talented teenager. It is very common for the parents to be given, you know, 20, 30 percent of the economic rights of the player. Now, clearly, that, again, brings its own potentially dangerous influence because the parents have then got huge financial incentive about where their son goes. And rather than maybe judging the deal on what's best for his career, they judge it on how much money they can make. So that's mm-hmm. why I say I, I, I would like the practice outlawed worldwide but that ain't going to happen
2: because... But Matt, when you... when you, um, you It was in May, I think, you wrote, wrote, wrote your piece about Doyen, wasn't yeah. it? And you, it was um, to preview the Champions League final. And I got the impression you were saying Atletico could not possibly compete without the help of a hedge fund. And this was um, well a positive I
4: think, thing. Well, no, I think, I mean, you know, but I'm, I'm talking about this sort of utopian world where football finances are set up in a way that it is not necessary. Um, and sadly, that utopian world does not exist in some leagues and some clubs out there. I mean, I th- you know, the fact is that Atletico could not have competed in the way they did. They got the Champions League final and won La Liga last season without bringing in all kinds of external funding, whether that was from hedge funds for third party players, whether that was bank loans, there was even down to the chief executive mortgaging his own house. So, you know, they, they had a, shall we say, a pretty complicated and uh, unstable financial structure, you know, uh, in an ideal world, that club would be far more stable
5: and would not need third party right. ownership. Well, to, to be fair to Atletico, the reason they, they needed to do this uh, isn't because there's some tiny plucky underdog. Uh, they are the third biggest club in Spain. It's because they spent so much money and accumulated so much debt over the years that they have been teetering on the verge of bankruptcy forever. And uh, since banks won't lend them money, they, gotta go, they have to go turn to third party investors. It seems to me that, I mean, we mentioned obviously this is absolutely rampant in, in Portugal. The nice thing about Portugal is that unlike England, you've got clubs that are listed on the stock exchange and they have total transparency. One of the, one of the, 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 the most fun uh, days of the year for me is when, um, and it's going to make me seem incredibly sad, but it's when <laughs> <laughs> Portugal and Benfica released their annual report. Is and that the red circle on the calendar? It, it really is. It's a red letter day. The
3: wife takes the kids away. <laughs> exactly. <the guts,
5: laughs> you know. No, but it's the one where they're like, you know, we own 18.3% of Louis Zao and we sold 6.1% of Louis Zao to Allison Rudd for 18.1%. I mean, it, it's, it's ridiculous. I If there is total transparency, but, you know, when you don't know who's behind it, obviously there's a whole number of issues. You don't know the relationships between them and managers and decision makers. But if, if there was a way to make this all transparent, maybe even more transparency than you currently have in Portugal, why? And, and perhaps also have a limit on the percentage that can be owned by any one entity of a player, why is this such a bad thing?
3: Well, for the scope for Undue Influence that's already been outlined, and also a sort of wider, I guess, moral view, that it, to me it just seems to be a vehicle for making a lot of money, right, for businessmen, shareholders, whatever, by exploiting the talents of... Yung, a, Yung, sorry, Yung I'm sorry, I'm sorry. what does it? Stan
5: Kroenke do? What, do? what do the Glazers do? You have an ethical problem with people investing in the game to make a lot of money? Yeah, because
3: they don't what sell What does they, Sky do? They don't sell themselves. As far as I'm aware, Stan Kroenke doesn't actually own any slaves or, you know, but ha- these have, people, a, an, have an army of people uh, <laughs> following him around.
5: <laughs> these people aren't. So
3: it's a unique situation when you sell your economic rights to someone else.
5: But the economic rights it's, it's not as if the economic rights belong to the player they belong to the club right you're, n- you're not you're not buying the economic rights from the player you're buying the economic rights from the club that holds the player's registration sure but if you're a 14 year old from wherever if you're a 14 year old boy you're not a professional and you can't be bought and sold anyway it's illegal
4: okay but we're th- talking
5: about professional marcos rojo is not a 14 year old boy no, sort of boyish. But now he can't I'm play any football because. No, in, <laughs>
4: Bra- in Brazil, in Brazil, they do. I mean, say the guys, but said that you know this, this this sort of apportioning of, or you know you've got a you've got a teen a teenager coming through, and you know say for the best teenagers at a young age, you know they'll already be down to negotiations of you know say the parents is thirty percent, some outside invest, right. rich outside investor, we could probably name a few, you know his fifty percent, his you know, and you you cannot tell me that that is a model. I mean, it's a model, for... Potentially making an awful lot of money, and you know, if people, as you say, there is a lot of money to be made out of football um, in all sorts of different ways, and it's dangerous sort of moralizing between one way of doing it and the other. But the fact is, are the best decisions being made for that footballer's career? Now, sometimes yes, undoubtedly, sometimes no, and that's why I say I'd, I'd, I would prefer that the system did not exist because, you know, for as many cases where that transaction would happen anyway, and Just different people are making money. There must be there must be cases where bad decisions are being made, you know, purely for 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 the money's sake, or where there is coercion going on to a certain player to move from X to Y because the investors are demanding their return at that particular time, or because an agent, as I say, has got, you know, who knows what an agent is telling a player about his his options if that agent is 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 not only you know got money to be made from the deal, but is actually an investor.
5: In the economic rise. Well, I always think it's a bit interesting when people talk about this. When you've got clubs who only do business with certain agents, and we know who those clubs are and who those uh, and who those managers are. You
4: know, and, where, oh, there are all sorts of ways. So
5: you doing? know, it just it just seems to me it, it is one example of it. But I, I wanted to to throw this out there because Michel Platini feels very strongly about this and he, he shares your view, Dico. He's entirely against this uh, and he wanted to ban it in Europe and then he found out that he couldn't because um, transfers are FIFA matters and what FIFA do is sort of they open another committee to look at it every six months but, you know, obviously they represent the world game in some parts of the world it's so entrenched it's not going to happen. He's looking at either regulating it uh, somehow or uh, perhaps trying to ban it from European competitions but again that's that's very difficult. Has is this all bad? I mean or or is there a way that we can regulate it with transparency with limits on the amount that somebody can own perhaps maybe by putting it in a blind trust, or, or should we just not go there and just? No, no.
2: Party? I think, I think, I think it is codifiable, and if you are transparent, th- this could be a workable system. I would, to counter Matt's indignation, I would say it's potentially democratizing because you you allow uh, clubs who couldn't perhaps otherwise progress in the market financially to be able to do that. So it opens up competition, and I'd have thought Platini would like that because he's always trying to make the smaller clubs have some sort of power and voice in, in world football and this gives them an opportunity. And also I think, I think we're, we're, we are applying emotion to it. I mean, the indignation that's coming through, we, we, we were saying similar things 20 years ago about agents and their increasing influence and whether they would advise a young player simply because they wanted to line their own pockets and not think at all about whether the club suited the player or the geographical location suited the player football has changed and rather than just say oh it's horrible it sounds horrible it makes them sound like slaves why not accept that this does help certain clubs and certain individuals and just codify it and make it more transparent? It made it that yeah, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't it
3: help them for very long, does it? I mean, yeah, P- Porto are the great example. They get all these players in and they're part But every couple of years, they sell them all to Europe, vast profits, and the cycle just repeats itself. The, all that money is going, a lot of that money is going out of football, and Porto are no better than they were five or ten well, years except ago. Except they, they keep winning easy. league titles and advancing in, in the
5: Champions League
3: and, well, but and they, stuff like that. Well, they haven't won the Portugal League, since Mourinho was there, which was a freak.
4: In the real world, we ain't going to get rid of this because it is so inherent in in certain parts of the world. That's you know Platini rails against it, but um, he's he's not really actually doing very much to, to get rid of it. And uh, apart from sort of blaming FIFA, I and mean, occasionally he says UEFA will take unilateral action, but I just don't see it because it, it is so inherent. And I say, look, I, you know, if it was if it was to be abolished, there would have to be a practical alternative because. You know, as you say, I mean, it, it, they're going to have to be some funding. I mean, it's going to have to be, whether it's from banks, banks won't lend money to football clubs for, the re- for, for, for fairly um, obvious reasons. So it's not, it, it wouldn't be easy just to click your fingers and ban third party because um, it's so inherent in, in Portugal, Brazil and other places.
5: All right, now the uh, part of the show that is statistically, as our research shows, everybody's favorite quick hits. Now, you're going to hear uh, side effects, because we've had complaints about certain people, James Ducker, rattling on far too long, and uh, and then our our, our ratings go down, uh, and most of all, our um, very efficient producer, Dave McGuire, doesn't like it. So after 20 seconds, uh, you will hear this noise, which is an invitation to wrap up, and then once you hit 25 seconds, you will be hearing this. And at that point, you must stop talking.
4: And after four minutes, you hear, James, shut up.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Arsenal are held at Leicester City as Lauren Koscielny gets an almighty knock to the head. Alison, why are they not clicking as they should? Is it just the absence of uh, Olivier Giroud? Uh,
2: Well, that's part of it, because I think they're not clicking because... Arsenal they get they they look physically tired about the fact that they're never at full strength they uh, relentlessly have in injury issues and there's always a player about to come back to change it and I think that's quite sapping in terms of morale so Wolcott of course he'll improve the team which means if he's not there you struggle.
5: Manchester City f- fall at Stoke 1-0 Dicko reason to be concerned or just a blip as Manuel Pellegrini suggests?
4: Uh, well, probably just a blip But I mean, they've, they've got concerned Just because I don't think uh, that week to week They're going to match Chelsea's intensity this season um, I think that Mourinho, as we mentioned earlier Is absolutely dead set on winning this league And Pellegrini has to make sure his players Are absolutely at full tilt every week And he's got a couple of decisions to make as well Not least about whether he sticks with Joe Hart So I think City are going to come second this season
5: Some slightly dubious defending there as well, in my opinion Speaking of Stokes, some were sceptical when Mark Hughes said he'd play more attractive football. Others were even more sceptical when they saw his signings last year. Yes, I'm looking at you, Matt. Has he gone up in your estimation? You were rather negative about uh, Stokes' chances uh, this coming season, or last season. Can you name me a better manager from this sceptered isle? Uh, well, Brendan Rodgers. He's not. He's, he's Irish, doesn't count. That's Mark Hughes aisle. is
3: Welsh. They're, bo- a-
5: they're both British.
3: Anyway. It's a different point island. Point, he's from a different island. Point being, I think Mark Hughes is a good manager. He had ideas with his station a few years ago when he thought he was gonna manage Chelsea and he messed form around, but at a medium Premier League club like Stoke, Blackburn, he's, he's, do, he's doing a good job, so I'm not
5: that surprised, no. Swansea are off to their best start in 91 years. Alison, you were a fan of Michael Loudrup, as I recall. Has Monk made you reevaluate a thing or two?
2: Only a fool would reevaluate Michael Loudrup. He took Swansea into Europe. Um, great manager what Monk has done is the right thing which is taken the good things of the Laudrup regime and added a bit of uh, graft on the training ground the players were not always happy with the way Laudrup took training and Monk's modified that and uh, made them a good team
5: Manchester United are held again this time at Barnsley Dickel will everything including the three-man defence be fine once Di Maria Rojo Blin Shaw and Herrera And at this stage, I think we can add Radamel Falcao are all on the pitch at the same time.
4: Oh, blimey, who knows? I mean, um, that's pretty much um, an entire team you're talking about changing. Does he even have the... I I wouldn't play a three-man defence, for starters. Um, I would play... uh, Well, I'm not sure what I'm playing now. I've got Falcao to fit in with Rooney and Van Persie and Mata and De De Maria. Um, I need to sit down um, as does Van Gaal and... There at a the wall and work out what on earth he's doing with a, a sort of squad that's been bought in a, a big panic shop
5: yeah all those guys to fit in but no Chicharito Hernandez to fit in because uh, he's going on loan to Real Madrid Crystal Palace draw 3-3 with Newcastle and their new boss positively glows He's also happens to be their old boss Neil Warnock uh, Matt the right choice would you have him at Huddersfield he actually turned the job down 10 days ago
3: and now Hutter... now we know why <laughs> <At> <laughs> Huddersfield yeah yeah um and now we know why, because he was lining up. I to Crystal Palace. Is he the right choice in the circumstances? He's probably as good as they were going to get, and he's certainly better than the alternative, which was to appoint Marky Mackay and then kind of be exposed to a whole tsunami of trouble. It went when that saw he would eventually would have come out. So um, it's pragmatic. It's not very exciting. Will they stay up? Probably not. But um, could have been worse.
2: Gab, question for you: Real Madrid were two nil up. At one point against Real Sociedad, surely Ancelotti didn't let that, sleed, <laughs> didn't let that lead slip away, did he?
5: I, I can't think of any time he would have let a true, let alone three-goal lead uh, uh, slip away. Uh, no, Real Madrid were terrible. Ancelotti apologize for it. The bottom's falling out here, and it's amazing because they get their business done early in uh, inciting Tony Kroos and James Rodriguez, uh, as well as Kaylee Navas. And now they lose Di Maria, which they knew was coming. Um, they don't necessarily replace him. But most of all, Xabi Alonso leaving, going to Bayern Munich. They've picked up Chicharito Hernandez on loan, another striker which he wanted. This squad seems totally unbalanced, and it's the age-old issue there. So that's all we've got time for this week. Many thanks to my excellent, uh, entertaining, and informative guests today, Allison Rod and the two mats, Hughes and Dicko. Check out thetimes.co.uk. You know, members get exclusive football, rugby, and cricket highlights free. Cricket highlights as well? Is there such a thing? Um, As part of your subscription. If you're not a member yet, take our one-pound digital trial today. Just search Times Sport online. Um, If you go on the website, it tells you how many people have signed up. We're we're nearing 400,000. I think is absolutely remarkable. Maybe by next week, uh, we'll be well past that mark. Speaking of next week, that's where we'll be. Same place, same time, same bat channel. Till next time, bye-bye.
4: Your subscription to the Times and the Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal. Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away.